Well, good morning. Welcome to MRCC on Thanksgiving week. I am still a firm believer in um, not decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving. And as you can tell, I lost that argument in the staff meeting. Yeah, I uh, typically fall in the same boat, but it's like an avalanche. If it's happening around me, I'm just going to get caught up in it's it. It's fair. Have you had eggnog yet? Oh, yeah. Like, I had eggnog like a month ago. I think eggnog comes out in, like, August now. Oh, man, that's news. I could drink eggnog year-round. Oh, I mean, it's seasonal for me, but uh, we want to welcome you here to MRCC. My name is Tyler. I'm the youth pastor here at MRCC. And my name is Brent. I am our group's pastor here. Yeah, so those are the things that we're in charge of, and if they're failing... It's our fault. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Um, Anyway, uh, we are here to bring some announcements uh, to you this morning, starting off with tonight is an all-church MRCC night of worship here. Yeah, it's going to be at 5 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Uh, We don't have child care tonight. Um, It is an all-family event, so bring your families, you know, just fill this place. Um, And we just want to invite everyone to join us. It is going to be packed, um, so I would just recommend getting here as early as possible so you can get the front row because we know that that is the best place to be, right? That's the best place to be. That's where the mosh pit will be. Um, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Yes. There will be no mosh pit. But it is going to be an awesome space. I'm very excited for tonight. Yeah. Um, and another thing to keep in mind, we have Thanksgiving coming up. So this next week, there will be no midweek uh, Wednesday events, ministries happening. So no Wednesday ministries. That's kids, youth, that stuff will all be on pause because it's Thanksgiving time. It's time to start cooking the turkey. You got to cook it early. Are you cooking I'll, Wednesday? I'll be cooking something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'll cook, be cooking up cook... an appetite. Oh, that's a good one. That, that, I might steal that. I'll be cooking up an appetite. I had to work too. really hard for that one. Not yep, gonna lie. Absolutely. Uh, coming up, not this Friday, but the next Friday, December first, is our gingerbread bash. If you were here last year, there was some very fierce competition in the best gingerbread house here in the in the sanctuary. Lots of sugar, lots of gingerbread, and lots of bashing. Um, I think I my guess is that the the Beckman family won just based on uh, looking at that picture. Uh, But we want to invite you to that. It's going to be from 6.30 to 8. And we're just going to have a ton of fun as MRCC and with families. Yep, it's going to be a blast. And Gordon Ramsay won't be there to judge It's going to be a bash. It's going to be a bash. Come on. Thank you for correcting me. Gordon Ramsay will not be there to judge your gingerbread creation, so you can go crazy. Um, It's going to be a blast. But... Or a bash. I Thank said you. it again. Thank I got you. in the habit of it. One last thing. If you are new or you're, you're just starting out at MRCC and you want to get to know more, we'd love to welcome you here and invite you to scan the QR code on the seat back in front of you. Uh, that's just a fantastic way for you to get plugged in. If you want to join one of our teams or get plugged in into a group or just if you want to know what more about what's happening here at MRCC, some of our events, uh, you can scan that QR code. That'll tell you all that information. We're not going to show up at your house or do anything weird like that. It's just an easy way for you to to get more plugged in with us. And then with that, please open your Bibles this morning to Luke 21. Thanks, uh, Brent and Tyler. Does it feel to you like when they do the announcements, it's like getting on a roller coaster and you just sort of ride it and don't know where it's going and hope it turns out well? Uh, good morning. Welcome on this Thanksgiving week. Welcome to everybody who's joining us online as well. We're thrilled that you're with us this morning. I hope you have great plans for this week. Maybe you're traveling. Maybe you have family coming to your house. Um, Just let yourself drink it in. And and actually, I'd like to ask you if you would let me uh, lead you in a prayer of thanksgiving this morning to our Father, because we have a lot to be thankful for. Amen. And would you bow your heads and, and, and join your hearts with mine? Lord, we come to you this morning and 
Lord, it's overwhelming to think that all of us sitting here, we all have clothes on our backs. We all have a roof over our heads. We have food in our refrigerators. Lord, we have running water. We have electricity. Nobody's shelling us or bombing us. God, we have so much to be thankful for. And sometimes, Lord, the truth is we get all caught up in what's going on around us and we forget to be thankful. And so we ask that you help us this week just to step back and to look around and go, wow, I think of your word that promises that a peace that passes understanding comes in the wake of prayer that's offered with thanksgiving. And so we offer our thanksgiving to you this morning. Most of all, Lord, thank you for your grace that washes away our sins, that makes us a family, that, that plants our hope in eternity. Thank you for things unseen, Lord. As, as family comes to our house this week, I think of how you said that you are at the Father's house right now preparing a, a place for us preparing a room in the Father's house for us. And God, make us mindful of that as we go into this Thanksgiving week. We pray for that. We honor you this morning. We do it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, cool stuff. Good stuff. Um, grab your Bible this morning and open it, if you would, please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. And we're going to continue our road trip through Luke's gospel. We're coming to the end of the story. We're into the passion. Jesus has, as he said, arrived in Jerusalem. I told you we were going to speed up a little through the passion. And this morning we're in Luke chapter 21, beginning with verse 5. And, and let me start, friends, by saying this. Life sometimes can feel overwhelming. Would you agree with that? I mean, sometimes it just does. I mean, there's so much going on, and some days so much is coming at us that we just kind of feel like throwing up our hands and saying, whatever. You know, sometimes around our house we'll say, there's nothing left to do but laugh because there's so many things coming at us. And, and God wants to talk to us about that feeling this morning, that temptation to feel completely overwhelmed. I love the story about uh, former NBA coach of the Utah Jazz, Frank Layden, who got so frustrated with one of his young players during a practice session. This guy just couldn't do the right thing in the play they were calling, no matter how many times they rehearsed it or had it explained. And finally, he just kind of lost his patience. And he said, what is it with you, son? Is it ignorance or apathy? And the young man who was equally frustrated shouted back at the coach, Coach, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> you know, he was just feeling overwhelmed, right? I mean, we've all been there in moments like that. And you feel sometimes like this is just too much. Now, I remember a few months ago when Ron and I were in our, our motorcycle accident, and, you know, it was quite an ordeal. You know, we crash, the ambulance comes, all the, the business at the site, and then the ride to the ER, and then hours in the emergency room. And, and finally, at 3 in the morning, they came and said to me, okay, we've, we're going to release you to go home, but we want to keep your wife another day because we want to monitor her concussion symptoms and all that, and I was like, well, I really want to go home. I want to get in my bed. I'm exhausted. I hurt all over. Uh, yeah, the, going home, that sounds good. Pastor Dave had made two trips all the way to Tacoma for us over the course of the night, and he was there to take me home. And on the ride home, I was like, I just want to crawl into my own bed and lay there. So when I got home, 
I went into my bedroom, and I got to tell you, with all my injuries, I was pretty busted up. It was it was an ordeal to get in bed. Okay, uh, I looked like I was 90 years old trying to get myself into the bed. I finally got myself in bed on my back, and I lowered my head down on the pillow, and as if on perfect cue, my phone rang. Three in the morning, man, and I, I answered it, and the hospital said, hey, Greg, we've changed your mind. Rhonda's ready to go home. Would you come back and pick her up? I'm like, are you kidding, you know, and I just couldn't call Pastor Dave again to go get her, you know, he'd been there twice, so I dragged myself out of bed and went back out to my car, drove all the way to Tacoma. It's an experience I won't forget, and the whole time I'm thinking, this is just too much, you know, and then I got there and, and picked her up, and we came back, and, and it was then that I realized, you know what? Even though it felt like too much to drive all the way back there in the middle of the night, it, it's worth it now to have her home also. And I share that story with you this morning, church, because God wants to talk to us about our feelings of being overwhelmed. He knows that we're subject to feeling that way, and he knows it can be serious sometimes. Sometimes the feeling of being overwhelmed goes from a funny thing to a serious thing. And it can lead to despair, it can lead to depression, it can lead to addiction and tragedy as we, we try to escape that feeling, maybe with drugs or alcohol. It can lead to anger, it can lead to violence when we panic or we feel desperate because we're overwhelmed. You know, sometimes feeling overwhelmed can lead to that most horrific of tragedies, which is suicide. You know, in my 35 years as a pastor, I have three times sat with people who later made the decision to take their own lives. Why? Because they felt so overwhelmed. Because they couldn't see beyond the moment. And I share that with you this morning because Jesus knows we, his followers, sometimes feel that way. And in the passage that's before us this morning, we're going to hear him address that very thing. We're going to hear him talk to us about the fact that we are sometimes subject to feeling overwhelmed. That's what we find in Luke chapter 21, beginning with verse 5. So let's, let's listen to the Lord together for a little bit as we get ready for Thanksgiving weekend. Let's listen to his heart for us about our tendency to feel overwhelmed. Luke 21, beginning with verse 5. Here's what the Bible says. Some of the disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. So remember, a couple of weeks ago, Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem, fellas. It's going to get rough there. There's going to be a crucifixion. I'm going to be unjustly convicted. Uh, don't panic. I'm going to rise again but I'm going there to experience all that. Now they're there. And one of the things they did when they went there was go to the temple. Jesus taught there in the temple. And as they're leaving the temple that day, the disciples quite understandably said, Lord, isn't the temple magnificent? Now let me pause for a moment. If you don't know, Herod's temple, the temple built by King Herod in Jerusalem in those days, was one of the eight wonders of the world, an enormous, gorgeous triumph of architecture built at the center of Jerusalem, plated with gold, the pride of the nation, the centerpiece of Israel's identity, not only as a people, but as the people of God. 
And the temple was hallowed by the whole, people would travel uh, months to go to the temple for pilgrimage and to see it. And the disciples are like, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this good and cool? And Jesus, unexpectedly, hearing them say that, I'm sure they expected him to say, yeah, it's pretty neat. Wow, all of this dedicated to God. But that's not what Jesus says. In fact, when the Lord replies, he pretty much reigns on their parade. Listen to what he says. Scripture says, but Jesus said, fellas, I added that part in case you're wanting to paraphrase. As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Now, church, it is difficult to overestimate the impact that the disciples would have felt when Jesus said that. Israel thought of the temple as the tangible proof that not only they were a people, but that they were God's people. And now Jesus is saying, guess what, guys? The whole thing is going to be torn down and completely destroyed. That's not what they expected the Savior to say. And to maybe try and feel the intensity of this moment, let me invite you to imagine that you're walking with Jesus and it's the 4th of July and you said, Lord, thank you for this nation that stands for righteousness and freedom in the world and that has a history of doing a lot of good things. And Jesus turns to you and says, you know that the Capitol building, the Congress, Washington's monument, Lincoln's monument, Philadelphia, Boston, the whole thing is going to be torn down and completely destroyed. The flag will never fly again over this ruin. Yeah, that's what it felt like to the Israelites. What? Lord, the temple destroyed? Are you kidding? Oh, my goodness. It was an overwhelming moment for the disciples. And what Jesus is saying is important to what he's about to say. What he's saying to you and me in this moment, just as he was saying to the disciples in that moment, is that life is filled with, with struggles, with difficulties, with hardships. Life isn't an endless series of successes. We should be honest with ourselves about that. Sometimes we fall into the trap of, of, of expecting life to be trouble-free, which is, as the Lord's going to show us in a moment, just setting ourselves up for disappointment. You know, if we're willing to listen to him, like he said over in John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, guys, in this world, you will have trouble. It's going to be hard. There's going to be difficulties. It's going to be tough times. Don't kid yourself. In that spirit, he's speaking to the disciples in this moment. He's saying, hey, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Be realistic, but take heart for I have overcome the world. You know, I was in the military. I was in the Marines. We would practice deployments. Uh, where we would go out into the field and spend several days training. And, you know, they, they sell you in the recruiting poster that it's a lot of fun. It's like the ultimate camping trip. Can I just tell you that it's not, okay? It's miserable. It's dirty. You get exhausted. Everything you're doing is boring and repetitive, and you can't ever seem to do it right, and you don't get a shower, and the food's awful, and it's a struggle. Every time you go out there, it's hard and difficult. We got to the point where, you know, you're not looking forward to it. 
In fact, they have a word for it in the military. They call it the suck, okay? They say, you know, when you go out into training, for the, it's the suck. And they say the way to deal with it is to embrace the suck, <laughs> to just say, you know, it's going to be hard. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult. Jesus is saying something like that to his disciples who were tempted to think, because they hadn't been listening to him talking about crosses and struggles and all that, they were tempted to think, oh, man, it's going to be one unbroken success after another. Messiah is here in Jerusalem. Now we're all good. Now we're home free. Jesus says, no, guys. There's some tough times ahead. Teacher, they asked, look at verse 7. When will this happen? I mean, they're floored. When will this happen? What will be the sign that these things are about to take place? And church, in this day and age, in this time in which we live, please listen to your Savior's words uh, by way of answer to the disciples' question. He says, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I'm he and saying the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and revolutions, don't be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Listen to what he's saying again, church. He's saying lots of people, whenever the balloon goes up or seems to, whenever the headlines scream war, revolution, tragedy, Israel at war, there's going to be a lot of people coming and saying, the time is near, now's the time. Panic, freak out, get distracted. Jesus says, do not listen to them, do not follow them. Because lots of people will panic in those moments, but we're meant to expect those moments. Church, I know what's going down in Israel. I know my Bible. I know the prophetic scheme. Please understand something. What we see going down right now has happened before, lots of times. Israel was attacked by her neighbors, all of them at once in 1948. It was attacked again in 1956. It was attacked again in 1967. It was attacked again in 1973. It was attacked again in 1996. It was attacked again in 2006, and it's happening again now. Jesus said we should expect these kinds of things and realize that God's plan is bigger and goes beyond it. Or to put it another way, don't get so caught up in looking around that you don't look up. Don't get so caught up in the headlines that you don't listen to the word of God. And by the way, now is not the time, church, to get superstitious about Israel. Israel has a place in God's end times eschatology. But Israel also found herself often chastised, cast into exile by the God who loves her. Matter of fact, in Jeremiah's day, if you've never read the book of Jeremiah in your Bible, you owe it to yourself to read it. Because Jeremiah comes to Israel and says, Israel, you're under judgment. You're wicked and I'm going to punish you. I'm going to tear you out of this land. I'm going to take you in slavery and captivity. Babylon's going to do it. The bad guys are going to do it. And everybody said, no way, that can't happen. We're Israel. Jeremiah said, it is going to happen. The false prophets said, it won't. We're Israel. Nothing like that can happen to us. God will not allow that to happen. Jeremiah says, when you're wicked, you're wicked. God says, it's going to happen. And then it did. And Jesus repeatedly warns, not to treat the nation of Israel like a lucky rabbit's foot. Are they the most righteous nation in many ways in that part of the world? Yes. But don't turn it into superstition. And Jesus is talking about that same thing in this moment. He says to the disciples, hey, you want to worship your nation, but I'm telling you, it's going to be destroyed. In their lifetime, 40 years later, 
Everything Jesus happened here happened. In 70 AD, Jerusalem was conquered, destroyed. The temple was literally one stone tore off of every other and destroyed. Rome was trying to destroy this faith. They failed, by the way. But the temple itself was utterly destroyed. And Jesus is teaching his disciples to expect trouble and be prepared for it. If you look through verses 12 to 18, as he goes on, he says, there's going to be persecution. It's going to be hard times. There's going to be difficult times. It's going to suck. But then he says, embrace the suck. And then he says one more thing that he wants you and me to hear loud and clear this morning. But before we hear it, understand his heart in saying this to them. He says, if you don't know this, if you don't expect this, your heart may be overwhelmed. You may be overcome by the fear and apprehension of what's happening. Uh, Look at verses 26 and 28. Jesus says, men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. When these things begin to take place, though, you stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Yeah, hear that, church. Some will be overcome. Some hearts will be weighed down by the terror of what's coming on the world. But Jesus says, not you, Greg. Not you, my son. Not you, my daughter. Instead, I want you to lift up your heads because the hard times mean the good times are getting closer. And Jesus knows our tendency to feel this way. And so he drives home this point. Look at verse 34. He says the same thing again. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And then that day will close unexpectedly on you like a trap. He says, don't let your fear overwhelm you or to put it another way. He says, stop looking around so much and start looking up. God has told you that the suck comes right before the glory, that it comes right before the redemption, that it comes right before the wonderful end to the story that is not in the hands of the world around us, but is in the hands of Jesus. Listen to what he said in verses 27 and 28. He says, at that time when the suck is at its worst, At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Yeah, he's coming back, church. That's his promise to us. And in these hard times, Jesus is saying, I want you to keep your eyes great, fixed ahead. I don't want you to be so caught up looking around that you don't look ahead. I want you to look up at what I'm saying. I want you to know that I will have the last word of what goes down down here. I want you to remember that, and I want you to feel that. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. We're supposed to be looking forward to the inevitable blessed hope of the return of Jesus Christ, which is his solemn promise to us. Or to put it another way, the Lord said, I'll be back. All right, you with me? That's what he said. No, 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 we're... No, you don't get it yet, all right? So let's, let's take this another step. Dear church, you and I must understand that the Christian faith teaches us that God will have the last word on what goes down down here. It won't be China. It won't be Russia. It won't be the Democrats. It won't be the Republicans. It won't be the conservatives. It won't be the liberals. It'll be the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He says, look up. Don't look around. 
not the wicked exploiting corporations that grind the faces of the poor. They won't have the last word. Not the insane terrorists with their murderous rampages. They won't have the last word. Not the feckless mobs in the street marching endlessly and achieving nothing. They won't have the last word. Jesus Christ will have the last word in power and in glory. And he says, look up and stop looking around so much. The Fruit Loop racists in their juvenile little militia clubs with their galactically stupid nonsense about being born white or black or brown, they won't have the last word. Jesus will. Not the idol-worshiping nut jobs who love their country more than their God and go whoring after power instead of hurting for the lost, they won't have the last word. Not the idiot anarchists who want to burn it all down or the boneheaded fascists who want to force their ways on everyone else because they worship law and order more than grace and gospel. They won't have the last word. Not the silly hippie saps who think the answer to the world's problems is to imagine there's no religion while never lifting a finger to build hospitals and schools and teach sustainable agriculture and how to love your neighbor like the church of Jesus Christ has been doing faithfully for centuries. They won't have the last word. The son of God will have the last word. And you're meant to look up, not look around. You can stand up and say amen if you want to. You can do that. Jesus will have the last word, not the ludicrous libertines who say everything will be fine if anything goes and everybody does whatever they want all the time. Just try that in your family. It doesn't work. It's not the way forward. Jesus will have the last word because the son of man is coming with power and great glory. And even if every stone in the temple is torn down, even if all Israel is hauled into captivity, even if your nation is destroyed to its foundations, yet the son of God will come with power and great glory and restore all things. And you're meant to look up, not look around. Say amen. And when he steps on the stage, church, there won't be any more Hamas or Hezbollah. There won't be any more Proud Boys or Oath Keepers. There won't be any more Antifa or John Brown Gun Club. There won't be any more screaming and shouting about my rights and your rights, but only a sudden, absolute, thundering silence that is the beginning of judgment. Because when the Son of Man comes with power and great glory, he will say authoritatively, enough! Stop it. I'm here. And now the real story will begin. And then the sound of tears and weeping and wailing will turn to laughter. And swords will be beaten into plowshares. And never-ending peace will rain down like warm sunshine on the first day of an endless summer. And the humble dead will rise to live forever because the wicked dead are given their ugly wish. They want their will to be done instead of his forever. Church, you and I are meant to look forward to all this so that our hearts won't be overwhelmed, so that our heads will be up and our hands will be ready to serve and to seek and to love and to forgive and to worship the one who loves us like a good father loves his sons and daughters. Are you looking around or are you looking up? Have you looked up lately? Have you listened to what he's saying? Because he knows that our hearts can get overwhelmed. He says, I want you to look up. And when we live with this faith, this belief in what Jesus is saying, then our faith will carry us through the suck to that great and glorious day 
that inevitable day, that invincible day, that undeniable, unstoppable, incontrovertible, unprecedented, unmistakable, unparalleled, uncontested, ineluctable, indescribably incandescent day when Jesus returns for all of his children and has set the world straight. And if I can steal a line from a great man in that day, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, and all huskies and cougars and ducks even will come together and everyone who has hoped and dreamed and prayed for justice and grace to roll on like a river will be able to join hands once and for all and sing in the words of that old African spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. And when you're looking up, you know that's coming. So are you looking up or are you looking around? Honestly, your Savior says to you, are you looking up or are you looking around? When these things begin to take place, Jesus says, stand up and lift up your heads because you know your redemption is near. Is your head down? Jesus wants to lift it this morning. Is your heart heavy? Because all you can see is mud and blood and bones and war and the sad, unfair justice of a schedule that requires us to play the 49ers twice in three weeks. It's not right. And if you're down about it, Jesus says, look up. Because if our hearts are weighed down, then, then we're in a dangerous place. Jesus wants us to feel that perfect, permanent hope that is an anchor for our souls. And that is that he will have the last word. We're almost done. Let me ask you again. Are you looking up or are you looking around? You know, about a year and a half ago, I was coming up Griffin Street after having dinner with some friends. And my wife was with me in the car. And we made that turn down there by the Kibler Elementary School. And as we came around that turn, I looked up in my rearview mirror and I saw that most welcome of sights. Red and blue flashing lights in my rearview mirror, right? I thought, oh, goodness, what did I do? I, I don't remember running a stop sign or doing a rolling stop. What happened? So I just pulled over immediately. You know, I thought, hey, I wonder what happened. Maybe I got a tail light out or something, right? And so a couple of Enumclaw's finest came up along the side of my car door, and they said, hello, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. What did I do? Did, did, did I miss it? Did I have a tail light out? What's going on? He says, sir, would you step out of the car, please? Okay, all right, I'll get out of the car. So I get out of the car, and then he says words I'll never forget. He said, sir, would you submit to a field sobriety test right here? <laughs> I, I can't tell you how wonderful that question felt in that moment. I haven't drank in 40 years, fellas. I'm a pastor. It's, what, it's not what I do, right? And, and so he said, and I'm like, yes, I will. Let's do this. Yes, I want to do this. I see it in movies. I hear about it. Now I get to do it, right? I did. I got a big grin on my face. I said, yes, I will. Let's do it. I want to do the whole thing. And so we went around behind the car, you know, all the traffic's going by, people from church, I passed it. And I'm just like, yes, this is awesome. And so he has me do all the stuff. And the whole time I'm like, this is, I'm grinning. And the two police officers are starting to look a little uncomfortable. Like maybe, you know, this wasn't going the way they thought. And, and so, you know, I went through it all. I'm like, this is so cool. This is going to be a great story in a sermon someday, right? 
Yeah. And then, you know, at the end of it, he says, well, uh, uh, what, what's that aftershave you're wearing? I said, I don't know. My wife buys my aftershave. He said, well, it smells like alcohol. No, it doesn't smell like alcohol. I know you're trying to get out of this moment, so let's, thank you. This is cool. This is going to be a great story. And I got back in my car and drove away. Here's why I tell you that story. That's how you're meant to feel in the middle of the suck. You're meant to feel like, I know how this ends. I know what the Savior said. I know Jesus is coming back. I'm looking up. I'm not looking around. So bring on the sobriety test because I know I'm not drunk. <laughs> right? You're meant to feel that kind of confidence, that kind of joy. That's why Jesus lays this on the disciples. He said, isn't everything awesome? He said, no, it's not awesome. And it's going to get tough. And you should be a grown-up about it and know that it's going to get tough. But guess what? Guess what? The end of the story won't be the bad stuff. The end of the story will be when I return with power and glory and put an end to the suck, put an end to the ugly, wicked stuff. Church, Jesus wants you and me to feel that. God wants you to feel that in these times. If I may be bold with you, you need fewer headlines. You really do. You need fewer talk shows, fewer TV, radio commentators, you need to hear Jesus saying, I'm coming back. I'll put an end to this. No matter how bad it looks, I'll bring Israel back from captivity in Babylon, even though nothing like that has ever happened in the history of the world. I will bring my kingdom, no matter how much war and ugliness happens in the meantime, I've got the last word. And when we know that, then we're free to serve those around us who don't know that and who need us to share with them this precious faith. So let me ask you one more time. Are you looking up, or are you just looking around? Jesus wants you to look up. Let me finish with a story. Don Thurman, in his book, Off Balance, Off Purpose, writes about what he does for a living, which is that he trains people to walk on, on high wires, on tight ropes. You've seen these people that walk between buildings, you know, and, and uh, 50 stories up, and, and the ones who do it in the circus and so on. Well, Don actually trains them. That's what his career is. He teaches people how to do that. And for those of us who are a little uncomfortable with heights, like me, I can't imagine, all right? But in the book, he writes about the key to teaching how to walk on that cable 50 stories in the air. He says, everybody's first instinct is the same. You're invited to walk on the cable, even if it's six feet above the ground. And the first thing everybody wants to do is look down at where they place their feet. Get my foot in the right spot. Okay, where am I at here? Everybody wants to look down and look around. He says, the first and most important lesson I teach him is you can't do that. You'll never be able to learn how to walk that rope if all the time you're looking down and around. He says, what I have to teach him is if they'll keep their heads up and look at where they're going, their feet will naturally find the cable every time. It won't happen if they're looking down or looking around because their ability to control their feet is less than their body's ability to know what needs to be done. So he says, I've, my first goal is always to teach them, don't look down, don't look around, keep your head up and look at what's ahead. And this morning, in the same way, just like Jesus did for his disciples, he wants to do for us. 
just invite us to lift our heads and to look up. Maybe you need to do that. He wants that for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? God, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, the truth is, we're all tempted to look down and to look around. God, the, the headlines are everywhere nowadays. And Jesus, you knew that we would feel that. You knew that the disciples would feel that. So you taught them, and you invited them to look up for you, to listen to your promise, and to find the freedom and strength that comes from it. God, help us to do that. Lord, we're surrounded by so many people who are so afraid, who are panicking, who are desperate. You teach us to be different. You teach us to be the people of faith who knows whose hands the world rests in. God, we ask that you would teach us to look up. And we pray that together as your sons and daughters this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now listen, if you fell asleep during that sermon, I don't know what to do for you, all right? So you might want to see a doctor, uh, but would you please stand with me this morning? We have a lot to be thankful for. Now may the love of God the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Have a great afternoon. Happy Thanksgiving.